Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out, so I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Dory Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are not experts. We are just two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And this is a mini episode where we usually hear from you, share your comments and thoughts, and answer your questions to the best of our ability. But today, since we are not experts... We brought an expert in. We brought in an expert to answer some of your most pressing questions about friendship, which is a topic that we get so many questions about. Yeah, I think it is. I think to our surprise, it has been probably the most asked or requested topic when it comes to listener questions and comments. Yeah. And, and it's it's definitely changed how I think we both look at the importance of friendship and building those relationships and maintaining them and also navigating them when they get hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't even know that friendship expert was a thing, but it either. is. <laughs> it is. And we're so, so excited to be sharing this interview that we did with Danielle. Danielle Bayard Jackson is a certified friendship coach and she's a speaker and she's an author of a book on friendship called Give It a Rest, The Case for Tough Love, Friend- Tough Love Friendships. Y'all are going to hear this again when we do her bio during the interview. But Danielle is an expert in friendship. And like, it is very evident the second she starts answering some listener questions that she knows a lot about the subject. Yeah. And I think um, we, we hope to do more of these mini episodes where we where we talk to to actual experts, <laughs> experts in the field <laughs> who can answer who can answer listener questions. So, um we're we're excited to hear what you all think of the episode, what you think of Danielle, what you think about friendship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And if you have more friendship questions or comments, you know, definitely hit us up at 781-591-0390 or email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So, without further ado, 
here is our conversation with Danielle answering your questions about friendship. Our guest today is Danielle Byard Jackson. Danielle, we have needed you on this show for a few years now. Welcome to Forever 35. Thank you for having me. We are so glad you're here. I'm going to kick things off with your bio. Danielle is a certified friendship coach, speaker, and author of Give It a Rest, The Case for Tough Love Friendships. She is also the host of the Give It a Rest podcast, a show guiding women through some of their toughest friendship struggles. Danielle has spent the last few years of her career teaching, observing, and interviewing women about communication, loneliness, and friendship. And she now uses her studies to teach women how to form and nurture female friendships. Oh boy. Like I said, we've needed you, Danielle. We get a lot, a lot of questions about friendship on Forever 35. And we actually put out the call for questions for you. And we got a full spreadsheet of inquiries of people needing help with friendship. So before we dig into them, I would love to know how you got started as a friendship coach. What inspired you? Was it your own relationships in your life? Was it um, something you thought was lacking? And what what does it mean to coach people on friendship? Yeah, so it, it's so funny because when you take those little assessments in high school and they ask you to list your skills and interests and then it spits out what you're supposed to be when you grow up, you know, friendship coach is certainly not an option. Uh, <laughs> so it's definitely not something I had on my on my vision board growing up, but um, I was a high school English teacher for a few years, and I noticed that the female students there it was always something. I'm hearing them between classes and after school, you know, lament their issues with their friends, and so it's easy to dismiss it as like a young people problem. But then, you know, I got into public relations, and my clients are talking about friends, and they're talking about. Um, you know, at that level, their loneliness or um, inability to make friends because they're so ambitious and they're busy. And that's when I realized, oh, this is this is a theme. This is like an ongoing thing. So it just sparked this incessant curiosity. And before I knew it, I was reading everything I could. I decided to, you know, get certified in coaching. And um, and now I see it everywhere. I see it in everything. And um, and and I'm not surprised that you all received so many questions because. Um, there aren't too many resources to help us with this. And so when someone gets coach, uh, that just means that they would sign up for a session and they bring me whatever current issue they are facing with the friendship, whether it's a very specific conflict, whether the woman has noticed a theme in her life. Um, and then we kind of walk through it. I ask her some prompting questions and then the session always ends with action steps. Um, so it's just about having another guiding perspective to kind of help you identify what are some mindsets that are holding you back from making friends and then maintaining them. And it's been really fulfilling so far. That's amazing. Um, before we get to our listener questions, what are your friendships like? Oh, <laughs> um, it's so funny. I was going to post something on Instagram today because it's one of my friend's birthdays. And to be honest, I had a moment of like, man, dude, I, I feel silly even posting this because I haven't reached out to her in so long. And she's one of my best friends. It's been a couple of weeks. I've got the baby. I've got the business. And I thought, gosh, here I am, you know, coaching women, but I'm so busy, you know, too busy to intentionally pour into my friendships right now in this season. And um, I'm fortunate to have women who, who support me and they give me that grace and we can have these great conversations. And the goal is to you know, help other women kind of cultivate for that, uh, cultivate that for themselves as well. Do your friends ever give you, not give you a hard time for being a friendship coach, but does it ever come up in your friendships or do they come to you with questions? You know, they don't ask me questions. Um, uh, they don't ask me questions. And uh, sometimes it'll be a joke. Like if I forget to call back, then it's like, mm-hmm, you know, really, you forgot to call? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Chapter nine, you know, like I know, you know, <laughs> but you know, I think it goes to show that you, you can't ace this. You can't get it right all the time. We get busy, we forget, we fear rejection, and we have all these things and our, our friendships are constant shape shifters and, and that's okay. But as long as we continue to try to do the work, that's, that's what's key. I like hearing that because if a friendship coach 
like none of us are are perfect, right? Like none of us are perfect at this and friendships take work. And I think that's one of the things I've realized in the conversations we've had on Forever 35 about friendship is that like we forget that we have to put effort into these relationships. We often only think about that in terms of our romantic relationships. Sure, sure. And and it's so funny because, you know, you go on Amazon and you look up um, resources for you know, marriage, you know, how to have a stronger marriage, you, you get tons of search results. Uh, same thing goes for, you know, in the professional realm, if you're like, how to be a boss in the boardroom, you know, like, there's so many resources, but anything regarding how to have better friendships, how to get richer connections with other women, is virtually, you know, non existent. And it's sad, because it's probably the one of the number one struggles we, we face as women. Well, I know a lot of our listeners are struggling um, with these questions. I think in quarantine has just kind of exacerbated a lot of the issues around friendship that people have had. Um, one of the questions that we get the most, and I would say one of the issues that comes up so often in our Facebook group and emails that we get is how to maintain friendships when you don't have kids and all your friends have kids or when you're the only one who has kids and all your friends don't have kids. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's kind of tricky, especially if, you know, we were friends before those particular life transitions. So we were, you know, we've been girlfriends since college and then you got married and then you had a baby. Um, those are those things that definitely, you know, obviously have an impact because it changes the dynamic of the friendship itself. So in two ways. One, it changes um, the demand on our time. So now you've got these new priorities. So whereas we used to have a standing brunch date on Sundays, well, now you've got a baby and it makes your schedule unpredictable. And, and I don't know how to navigate that. So it impacts us that way. Um, and then secondly, it impacts us because maybe we came together based on a different foundation. And now it's shifted. So we had these things in common, we had this history. And now you've got your baby or, or your husband. and that's kind of shifted your interest or something I see with, you know, a lot of new moms, they gravitate toward other mom friends. And then there's that whole like, okay, do you, you know, do you need me anymore? Or you want to have a conversation about, you know, diaper rash cream and I'm not interested, you know, so we kind of struggle there. But the key to maintaining a friendship when there's such a major life transition like that is to be flexible, which I know sounds overly simplified, is to be flexible and to um, continue to be intentional. So her schedule may change and you all, you have to be receptive to that, uh, especially for those who maybe don't have kids and, and you're trying to fit her schedule and, and what works, you have to adapt um, because she needs her friendships, I would argue, more than ever. And so she may need you to keep showing up. You may need to be the initiator for a while um, because seasons change and sometimes it can't be 50-50. So you might have to be the initiator and, and make the phone calls now and, and make the date to go out. Um, but it's a matter of keep trying instead of starting to resolve and have those internal conversations that we often do that are one-sided, like, oh, she's she's too busy now. Maybe we don't have enough in common. That's the kind of stuff that starts to uh, distance us. So I would mm -hmm. say continue to initiate. And if you have to even have the conversation, I think that's almost like a maybe a novel idea to us, but we get so much messaging that's like, it should be natural. It should flow. You, you just know, like, she's my friend. She just gets me. But um, we, we have to have the conversations of, girl, you're so busy now. I don't even know. Like, how can we see each other? So it might sound formal, but that's what it takes to, to remain on the same page. Okay, here's one. How do you start a hard conversation with a friend? Example, if I think a friend should go to counseling. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, I like to say this when it comes to a difficult conversation about any subject to lead with vulnerability. And I know that's like conjuring images of like Brene Brown right now. And she does not have a monopoly on the word vulnerability. But everybody's like, oh, right, yes. But you know, I, I, I would suggest this, okay, for tangible steps. I would tell that listener to pause for a second and identify the reason that you don't want to have a conversation. Like list them out. Why do you not want to have a conversation? 
And whatever those reasons are, you open the conversation by saying those things. So if I'm hesitant because I, I feel like she's going to get offended or she's going to think I'm judging her and I don't want her to start to distance herself from me or, or to you know stop connecting with me anymore, to say exactly that. You just wrote the opening lines to your script. Because whenever we lead with those things like, you know, hey girl, okay, so I almost didn't want to have this conversation with you because the last thing I want is for you to think I'm judging you and I don't want you to start like pulling yourself away from me. But in spite of that, I thought this is really important. If I start like that, it's almost like you can't help but to receive what I'm sharing um, because I let you know this is coming from a place of love and we're on the same team. I love that. That's really yeah, great I do advice. Too. Mm. I'm going to come to you with all my problems. Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you deal with a friend who likes to humble brag about her quote, super great life and kids? Ooh, yeah, that is so obnoxious. Uh, you know, it's tough because um, I first I okay. So first as a friend, I always say, give the benefit of the doubt for anybody who's being boastful we should know by now that it's coming from a place of insecurity. Why do you mm. feel the need to tell me your kid made the honor roll again and you made this perfect cake and you guys had this perfect date night? Why do you feel the need to tell me that? So first I would I would ask that you reframe your mindset to one of um, curiosity. Why is it that she feels she has to tell us that? Is she feeling like you guys have great lives and she has to let you know she does too? Um, you know, is she actually lacking in a place behind the scenes and in a particular area and compensating by letting you know things are great. Um, mm -hmm. And another reason too is sometimes women, we struggle with um, shining. I once heard another, you know, friendship uh, speaker talk about how we struggle with shining in front of each other. So we have no problem saying like, I feel sad. I, I feel scared. I'm frustrated in my marriage. Work is crazy. We have no problem bringing those issues to each other because we get sympathy and that's acceptable when it comes to sharing. But whenever it comes to shining, I got that promotion. I got that. We tend to be reluctant. And I think that's because we're conditioned to not be braggadocious and that's a turn off. But is it a safe space where she can, you know, why is she humble bragging? Is there a safe space where she can just openly say things are great and it's going to be well received? Um, so I would check that too. But I would definitely ask her, well, I guess, you know, you have to know your friendship. Every friendship's different. But I would definitely say if it's getting to the point where you're noticing it's causing a little resentment in you, then you have to address it. But I would say not in an accusatory way, but one where you question her and you have a spirit of curiosity about how things are really going. Yeah, it's so tough, <laughs> especially when it's, all over social media. And I find I have that sometimes with people who I'm like, I know your life isn't like this. Yeah. And yet this is what you're choosing to present to the world. So that's a good reminder to kind of take a beat and ask yourself what is going on in their lives. Right, right. And you know, even in my opinion, because every friendship is different. So everybody has a different level of, you know, fragility in their friendships and history and and this doesn't account for every single woman's personality, but sometimes even with what you just said of, of letting her know, like, girl, you know, and I know I'm starting a lot of my hypothetical questions with girl, but that tends to be my go-to, I guess. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, girl, you are just killing it on Instagram. The kids, you guys have your perfectly coordinated outfits and all that, you know, but is everything really good? Like, as your friend, I want to ask, like, is, is everything really good? Because I know you've been highlighting all the highs lately. Is everything you doing okay? Because, you know, you mm -hmm. could talk to me if things weren't okay. Sometimes that brings it down for her of a reminder of, you know, you know, you don't have to do that here. You know, you know, cut the act without it sounding accusatory. Right. Can we talk a little bit about ending friendships or um, kind of rehabilitating friendships? We've got a lot of questions about how to leave friendships, how to break up a friendship. For example, how do you exit a friendship when that person is part of of a larger group of friends. Yeah. Okay. So that one's always tricky. Um, well, one thing I, I want to address first, so let's go back one step is when it comes to ending the friendship is making sure you're ending it because it's actually genuinely, you know, toxic 
um, and not just because it's difficult. Because uh, I see a lot of women leave because she's, you know, annoying or has this habit that's just like, I can't tolerate it. And is it because she's, she has these difficulties? Or is it because really her being in your life is, is, um, is toxic to you and, and doesn't serve you or doesn't support you and, and things like that. Um, but if you have decided, okay, check, 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 all those things are good. And it's time to cut it off. Again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's because it really is the answer to a lot of our uh, issues is to talk about it. Because if you don't, you're going to, by extension, dread going to those events where you have mutual friends. You've probably told people that it's awkward and you don't want to be your friend. She's told people that she's acting kind of funny around me. So now you've unintentionally involved other people. um, And so that kind of puts it on them as well. Sometimes it's okay to tell a person like, Hey, listen, um, I always suggest bringing it to you and not on the other person. So instead of saying, you know, because you've got this and this going on and you did this the other week and it just makes me uncomfortable, so I can't be friends. I mean, who wouldn't defend themselves in that kind of situation? So putting it on you and, and it's okay to say, you know, hey, I'm in this place right now where I, I think I just really want to kind of in, invest my time here or I think that I can't really, you know, invest in this friendship the way, you know, I thought I could. And but I know we're going to be seeing each other at different social events and I want to make sure we're, we're still, you know, cordial and, and I still support you. And I know that there are women listening right now who are cringing. It's like, who, why would I have that conversation? But the alternative is we are ghosting each other, which leaves, you know, we're leaving each other with certain complexes because women aren't having the conversation. So we just disappear or we're fake about it and we, we smile, but we don't respond to the text. Or we're like, hey, girl, yeah. But then we're like, oh, God, I'm, an, I'm over her. And it's all because we're trying to avoid having to say out loud the thing that's the issue. So I don't want to sound like a broken record with emphasizing the tough conversations, but it certainly would um, solve a lot of our issues. Yeah. Having those tough conversations is is tricky. Okay. So let's take a break and we'll be right back with more from Danielle. 
to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what? I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This is an interesting question. What do you do when your friend isn't there for you the same way you are for her? Do you let it be? Do you let it go? I want to continue the 10 plus year friendship, but I'm sick of giving and not receiving the same convos in the past haven't changed much. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that actually is the number one um, issue I get when women come for sessions is something about um, initiative and reciprocity. So feeling like I give, she doesn't, I give, she doesn't. 
But what's funny is if you ask a room full of women, do you feel like you give more than your friends? Almost all the women are going to raise their hands. So if we're all thinking, I give more than my friends, something there is off. Um, so a couple questions there. One would be, and some people are familiar with like, you know, the concept of the five love languages, but one would be, are you looking for her to support you in the way you support her, which we tend to do. Our, our minds just kind of perceive things the way that we we give them and the way that we operate. So if support to you looks like um, hanging on the phone with her for an hour as she just goes on and on and you're listening, but you want support in that same way. Maybe she can't give it to you in that way. That's not what she does. But she's always showing up to your kid's birthday parties. She's always sending little texts. She's always suggesting new brunch spots or, or things like that. Is it possible that she gives in another way, but you are not allowing yourself to receive it? Um, mm. There's also something called responsibility bias, which means we are we can only see what we give. And we don't give points to what the other person's giving because we can't see it. So, of course, we will always feel like we're doing more because we can only see what it is we're doing. Um, and so it's hard sometimes to not compare and, and get discouraged and things like that. But when it comes to, like, initiating things or, or doing more, I would challenge you with this. One thing is, if you notice with some friends, you're always initiating and, and starting things and, and you're listening, you're giving. If the other friends are saying yes, when you um, ask them for a night out or you get on a call or you text, if they are agreeing to it, then they're, they're keepers. It's the ones who are not responsive, the ones who ignore you, the ones you can't count on, the ones who are fickle. Those women might not be the book that you need to continue to pour into. But mm -hmm. just because they're not initiating as much as you are initiating, I would argue not to discount the friendship as long as they're in agreement and saying yes and happily receiving those invitations. It's worth continuing the friendship. Mm. So hard. <laughs> Being it's a really friend is so hard. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. It's like uh, there is, we don't, we never talk about the, this kind of work that goes into showing up and maintaining these friendships and working on them as they change. I'm not even sure we think about it. We're certainly not taught it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so tricky is it happens. And, 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 and I wonder if that's just, you know, cultural, just our framing around friendships is that it's the one thing that's supposed to be easy because in the context that I mentioned earlier, you know, we know that we have to work at work. We're listening to podcasts. We're reading books on how to be better at work. We're taking courses. So there's this implication that there's always room to grow. What can you do to get better in your marriage? How can I be a better listener? Again, we're reading the books. We're having conversations. But there's something about friendship where it's implied that you just, you have it or you don't. You have chemistry with this woman and, and she gets you or she doesn't or you're friends or you're not. And it's just not true. So, you know, my fear is that there are tons of friendships that are, you know, dissolving or being thrown by the wayside because realize we have to work at it or it's not working out and then we look around and everybody else's friendships look just fine and so it becomes like a gosh well what a, why are we failing or what's off about ours and it's like a lot of times you know you're fine that's that's to be expected the same way in a marriage you wouldn't have an argument or have an off week and feel like wow I can't believe I chose the wrong person you would know like, okay, we're, we're off. We need it. We need a night out. We need to, we need to chat and reconnect a little bit. What's going on with you? But for some reason, um, we believe friendships are supposed to come easily. And I think that's, uh, a detrimental, um, understanding of friendship. In fact, there was, um, a study that asked a bunch of women, you know, do you believe that you should have to work at friendship? Or do you believe that friendship should just kind of be like organic? And uh, they followed the women over five years, I believe. And the women who said they believe that friendship should be organic reported feeling lonelier than the mm. women who did not. So if we're entering friendship, assuming it should be easy and I shouldn't have to say how I feel in a friendship, she should get me, you're setting yourself up. So I, I think the first step is just to, you know, not to sound too life coachy, but it really is a mindset thing and to expect you're going to have bumps, but you have to work at it like you would anything else. 
kind of along those lines, um, we got a lot of questions about making friends um, and also keeping friends. And so someone asked, I'm in my 30s and don't have any longtime best friends. How can I keep adult friendships over time? Oh, that's good. You know, I know it's it's tricky sometimes because especially after a move or, or other things like that, we sometimes compare our friendships to the ones that we see. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you moved and so now you're, you know, in a new space, it's hard not to look at those women who can say, yeah, we've been friends for 20 years. And it's like, Ugh, I don't have that. And I get that we're hungry for that a lot of women and, and we want to be known like that. We want a group of women who, you know, like we see on the movies, they've known each other for 20 years and have this unspoken, you know, connection. We all want that. Yes. And sometimes we get discouraged because we don't have what we see. So the first thing I would suggest to, um, to that woman is that, um, not get caught up in comparing your friendships to other people's friendships in terms of the duration and the history and things like that. The second thing is it's never too late to have that. It's never too late to have the women who've known you for 10, 20 years. Um, when I wrote my book, I interviewed a group of women who were 70 and 80 years old and they gather every week to knit. That's just what they do. Mm. And um, they found each other, you know, two, three years prior. And when I asked them, you know, why did you join this group? How did you guys come to know each other? It was, you know, I experienced, you know, my my uh, kids moved and they took the grandkids. My husband passed. I retired. So there's all these things at different stages that are going to throw us off and force us to have to make new friends. But the the danger becomes when you start to feel like, you know, oh, it's too late for me or I can't have that. These women are, you know, sitting there loving on each other. And they're 80 years old. So it's, it's never too late to start your group of friends. Um, now with that, I say you want to monitor your expectations from the beginning, because a lot of times we're like, we meet a new woman and we subconsciously are putting her through this list of questions. Um, you know, Oh, does she get my sense of humor? Okay, cool. She laughed at that. Okay. She seems cool. And we kind of, you know, unintentionally, um, are expecting her to kind of feel like a bestie from the beginning because we want that, you know, platonic intimacy and closeness. Um, and we're yearning for it so much. Sometimes we're forcing it. So I would say, you know, allow yourself to relax and, and let it grow. And um, your desire for that 10 year long friendship is totally possible. Um, but it's a matter of not giving up and, and being open to work at it from the beginning. What are some things you advise people to do if they want to take like an acquaintance to like the friendship level? Like how do you kind of become better friends with someone? How do you even like, can you, like I once had a person say to me, like send me a message that was like, Hey, I like we're in book club together and I really like you. I'd like to be better friends. Do you want to get together? And I was like, Whoa, this is so like, I never had anyone approach me in that way. And it was, it was amazing. Um, What do you, how do you advise people? They kind of like, like ask a friend out. Does that make yeah, sense? yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good question because it, it does kind of conjure up like the same feelings of like, ooh, fear of rejection, and you know, do they like me back, and and things like that. And that's actually one of the um, tips that I give women who are trying to make new friends. I often say you want to start with somebody who's bestie adjacent because there's likely already women in your circle that you know, and you can start there. But we always want like this. Um, made from scratch friendship. Like it has to be the stranger who I was, you know, standing in line with at a coffee shop and she said something and I was like, oh, she's awesome. Like we envision that, but you've got a, you probably have a good group, a good net of women who are already in your life, uh, but you haven't gone deep. And I was going to ask you, as you were giving that example, how did it make you feel? But you said it was amazing. And that is the most common response when we receive invitations like that. So that's worth keeping in mind if you do find yourself like, oh gosh, I she seems really cool. Like I would love to be her friend. There's something that happens between five years old and 35 when we have this kind of like filter up because a five-year-old will walk right up to you in a play box and say, or in a sandbox and say, do you want to be friends? And it's like, heck yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. But there's something that happens where we're like, oh my God, well, I don't want to look, I don't want to look desperate for friends. I don't want to look clingy. I don't want to look. But most women will have the response that you just had, which is, wow, that's awesome. Sure. Now, if you don't want to come out explicitly and ask somebody, hey, you'd be a good friend. Do you want to be friends? 
there's other ways to do it. One thing I suggest is you probably know a, a couple things about that woman for, for interests or things like that is to start with something like, Hey, I saw XYZ randomly and it made me think of you. You know, that way there's some kind of link to why I'm randomly reaching out. So I, I saw this film and I remember you mentioned this thing and, and I thought of you. Um, and I thought, I realized, man, we're always in a group setting and I never get to like really chat you up. Would you ever want to, you know, go on a virtual coffee date or go grab, you know, whatever after quarantine or whatever. But it's okay to kind of use those transitions as well to remind her like, hey, we already kind of know each other, thought of you, we never really get to chat, would you want to? Um, And to put your mind at ease for anybody who's already anxious, most women are happy to receive that invitation. And for the ones who are not, because if we're being honest, sometimes they'll not respond or they'll be busy or not be interested. And that's okay. But you can't hinge your um, willingness to reach out on whether or not they say yes. You just have to accept that as a part of who you are. You're a woman who reaches out. That's what you do. Because sometimes we're like, well, it depends if she says yes or no. She might say yes or no. But that's just what you should be doing is reaching out. How Someone wants to know how to have more diverse friends without tokenizing them. And they add, I'm white. I like the note, like asterisk. Yeah. I'm white. <laughs> Star. <laughs> I'm white. Yeah, a lot of my a lot of my black friends are are like, oh, you know, how do I get a white friend without tokenizing them? So it's so funny that we don't we don't have this issue. Um, and I am a black woman. Let me identify. So you know, you know, let me tell you something. Uh, I'm so glad that that is a question, and I bet the person who submitted that question maybe wasn't possibly wasn't thinking about it before a couple weeks ago. I don't know what happened, but on my personal Instagram, I think I saw 1500 new followers in five days. And I'm a regular person. (laughs) I'm a regular person. And I just thought, what is going on? And I realized, oh, okay, a lot of people are, you know, there were calls to diversify your feed and and things like that. And, and I thought, oh, is is that what's happening? Because most of them, you know, were white women, and I'm a black female. And I thought, this is really interesting. Um, So I feel like the the good news is the fact that you're even noting, I want more friends with different perspectives and backgrounds, but I don't want to tokenize them. The fact that you're even aware of that is great news. So I applaud that. The second thing is to, yes, it seems superficial at first, but to diversify your feed. So you're used to seeing brown people in your space, like you're used to them. And so they're normal. Um, and then I made a, a, a video the other day making a joke of, you know, if you want to get in good with somebody who is of a different race, a little trick that I give is you go up to them and you say, hello. And it works every time. <laughs> just, <laughs> just say hi. You know what I mean? Uh, I will advise against, um, and, and I know women, sometimes we do it because, you know, we're we want to establish closeness. So, you know, we make jokes or we say um, we want to establish commonality, similarities when we're meeting people. So it's common for us to say, oh, me too. Or we start to kind of like assimilate our language together because we want to show like, oh yeah, ha ha, me too. We're so close. I would try to be mindful of that. So if you find yourself, you know, saying, hey, sis, and it's like, you don't say sis to Karen, you know, like be yourself. You know, because any of those things would make a person feel like, wait a second, you know, what are your intentions for wanting to get to know me? That would make anyone feel like it's not authentic. Uh, So just say hello. If you both have kids, oh, there's a commonality, you know, but you don't have to do things where you find yourself trying to mirror another person's culture to let them know you get it or to go up to them and be like, oh, I love Beyonce, by the way, don't you? You know, yes, we all love Beyonce. So just be yourself, say hello, and um, just be mindful of of doing things that are not natural to you for the sake of, of trying to have some more diversity in your friend group. I, I, that, I, I think that's great. And I, I, it's interesting you mentioned that about your Instagram feed. Yeah, it was uh, pretty insane. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. All right, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. 
not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Here's something kind of along... Similar, but someone asks, I'm LGBT and I find, especially around pride, that I'm either educating or not related to by straight friends. How do I make it clear it's not my responsibility to educate? Oh, interesting. So, um, and I'm so glad, again, that there's been so much conversation surrounding this in the past, you know, week and a half. Um, As a Black woman, I received several messages and texts, people asking me questions. I'm so sorry for what you're probably going through. How can I be better? How can I? And I'm assuming, you know, the sentiment is the same of people asking you questions. If I'm understanding the question correctly, and and um, it's it's hard sometimes to not be seen as just a resource or for people to ask you to help them solve, you know, their 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 problems, help them to you know renew their mind and understand an entire group of people and looking at you as their portal into you know, that group. It's sometimes frustrating. It's a frustrating responsibility that people often place on a on a person from a certain group. And I will say this on a basic level, you know, I understand it sociologically. Okay. You don't have many people from a certain group. And so you see one and it does feel like, oh, whatever they say is, you know, is, is probably an expression from that whole group because you don't have access to that group. You don't understand them. So on a basic sociological level, I get it. Um, but I would say I know it's hard to not be frustrated in the midst of it, but I would say there's nothing wrong with having your canned response and saying like, yeah, you know, you should watch this movie and definitely read this book. And, and I think it'll like be really insightful for you and leave it like that. It starts to retrain people that I'm not the representative um, without you kind of, you know, also flipping out on them and saying like, oh my gosh, just go figure it out yourself. So I know it doesn't seem natural, but I have found for me to have my canned response of like, yeah, definitely. You know, I, you know, you should definitely check out this documentary and, and read this book. They, they might add some insight. 
enough to kind of train people. I've noticed a lot of them kind of can read the subtext. How do you balance friendship with being co-founders or other business relationships? And no, I did not write this in about working with Kate. <laughs> about me? Oh, gosh. Just in the interest of full disclosure. Nor did I, Dory. <laughs> okay, good. That's a, oh, that's such a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, so if you are friends, but you also own a business. Okay, so I have two suggestions. Uh, the first is not just a suggestion, but I will say it's, it's um, some insight. Uh, there was a study that was done in France, and they uh, surveyed all of these entrepreneurs. And um, there's kind of like watching them, asking these questions. And they found that people who are entrepreneurs or who are in managerial type roles prone to be more lonely than people who are not. And they believe it's because those roles are so ambiguous. Like you're doing everything from like, invoicing, the talking to clients, to figuring out your marketing plan. It's just so ambiguous what you do in those roles. So I say that to say people who are in business, who lead businesses, we struggle to find people who understand exactly what we're going through, the nuance of and unpredictability of our day. And also, we're never off. You're thinking about your business and and topics and and things like that and 24-7. So a lot of people can't really deal with that and they don't know how to relate to that. So I say that to say, I understand how a business partner kind of becomes all things because they're helping you with the business. You only have this person to understand what's going on. And we tend to lean really heavily toward each other in those ways. And again, I hate to keep putting things in the romantic context, but sometimes when we change the context, we're more likely to kind of understand, but it's okay, in my opinion, to formalize that a little bit and create some separation. So it's okay to say, hey, you know, we'll talk about business from nine to five. And then after that, you know, we talk friendship stuff or, you know, you've got to do what you can to kind of salvage the friendship. Uh, And I know it's hard to turn that off. uh, But otherwise I could see where it's 10 o'clock at night and you're still texting about business and she wants to go in a different direction than you want to go on that new project. And now you're not talking to each other as friends. You're not talking to each other about your day or your kids or other struggles because you're still pissed about that business decision from a week ago. So it's okay to um, erect professional boundaries because you want to actively, intentionally salvage your friendship. That's totally acceptable. Seems reasonable. Danielle, do you ever see, like when you coach people, do you ever coach friends together or do you normally just coach individuals? You know, what's so interesting is I have never coached uh, two friends. I've never, I've never even had that inquiry, which is um, really interesting. It's always been just one woman. So in terms of like counseling these two women through it, um, sometimes I wonder if that would be best for like a, you know, a therapist. And, and I will say this, especially as a coach, you know, I have my little list of, you know, psychologists and, and counselors who I often refer women to when it goes a different direction. Because sometimes as we're unpacking friendship issues, I've noticed it's connected to something deeper rooted. So, you know, for example, recently I was talking to a woman who was struggling making friends and I asked her some questions and they came up with some things she could actually do. But as we continued to speak, she said something about, you know, feeling unworthy of friendship, feeling like if she introduces herself to this new person, once they get to know the real her, they're not going to like the real her. So you don't reach out in the first place. And friendship is so you know, inextricably tied to other things we have going on in our lives and our and our past experiences. So, um, you know, I referred her to someone for that because that's a different area. And I, I would kind of sometimes advise, you know, for a, a best friend group, possibly to do the same thing. It's not weird for friends to get counseling together. It's a relationship. Uh, but I noticed for coaching, it's been helpful maybe to just have one woman because we're just talking about this woman and her issues and I can give her kind of action steps as an individual. How do you make friends if you're in a new city, especially if you're there as a single person and you don't know anyone? Like, What are some tips you have for people who are like, wow, I live, I was from New York. I live in Chicago now. I don't know anyone. Like, How do I do this? Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so it, it's especially interesting right now when we, you know, can't really go to a bar or mingle yeah. or go and do some things. Um, so I'll say this: I'll, I'll give a, a, um, a suggestion for you know, you know, the quarantine making friends edition, and then just kind of in real life, and then when we go back to you know regularly scheduled programming, um, you know, there are lots of these 
virtual events right now. I know a lot of us are zoomed out. We're over it. But there are a lot of them that are not necessarily professional. They're, they're, um, they're, they're social now, little events that are happening online. I know for a lot of people, especially introverts, they're like, oh my God, I don't want to throw myself into this big room full of people I don't know. And, and that's okay. And I totally understand that that can be overwhelming, especially for those who are not just introverts, but who have social anxiety, which is something uh, different entirely. Um, the first thing I would say for in quarantine is you still can make friends in quarantine. Um, I've done it. I've advised people to do it. But you see a lot of these uh, events that have adapted to going virtual. It's okay to join those events and to be observant, to not have to feel like you have to, you know, work the Zoom room, to be observant. And if there's somebody who says something um, especially, you know, funny or insightful during that virtual event, it's okay to message them afterward and to say like, oh my gosh, I thought it was really funny when you said this or whatever and say something like, you know, would you want to do virtual coffee tomorrow? Or if they kind of set a certain topic to want to extend that and say, I thought it was so interesting when you made a comment about yada, yada, yada. Would you want to jump on a call with me and just kind of like talk about that a little more? I thought it was fascinating because it's not necessarily about going wide. It's about going deep. And I think that's what a lot of extroverts get wrong is we'll go and we want to work the room and we'll still leave feeling kind of not connected. And it's because you had all these superficial conversations, but you didn't pick one or two people to sit and chat with for 15 to 20 minutes at a time. And so it's about going deep. So, you know, virtually you can do that. And then we're allowed to kind of go back out. I know a lot of people are already familiar with things like, you know, meetup.com and things like that. And they're like, yes, I know, go to meetup.com, go to some, you know, meet and greet thing. But the thing is, we'll go one time and then we get discouraged that we didn't find our bestie. And then we like quit going. I always suggest at least three times, at least, just because that gives you some ground for familiarity. And then you can start to say things like, oh, I, I know the first time I came, you mentioned something about your dog being sick. Is, is your dog okay now? But it gives you some context with which you can build relationships with people. So I know it sounds, you know, silly to say, get back out there. And we've heard that before in the meetup groups. And, and I understand how intimidating it can be to be in a, a literal room or a Zoom room full of strangers. I get it. But otherwise, we are not connecting. Uh, so I would say leverage social media. It's okay to suggest to take things offline. And it's okay to take things from a, a broad Zoom meeting and then ask a person if you can have one on one time is totally okay. Um, but otherwise, we sit immobilized by the thought of, I don't know anyone, so where do I uh, start? I'm here in Tampa. It's a very transient city. And a lot of women have that in common, that they're new here and, and don't know where to make friends. And I've seen a lot of women make friends by using that as their opening line. Where do you meet mm -hmm. people around here? I don't know anyone. It's, it's not as uh, shameful or pathetic as we think. A lot of people will, will sympathize with you and understand. Thank you for letting me get that in. That's a great answer. <laughs> so much good advice. Oh my gosh. We could go on and on. Um, I know. This has been so, uh, so uh, wonderful, Danielle, and so insightful and interesting and also kind of um, empow empowering. Like I feel yeah. more, more equipped to work on some of my friendships and also like confident in like pursuing friendships. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. And I think it's like I said earlier, I think it's just a mentality thing of like, if you're thinking, man, my, my friendship is kind of weird right now, or everybody left, where did they go? What happened? We're all going through it. So sometimes yeah. there's relief and just knowing that we are collectively struggling with it. But, um, but I think just taking an attitude of not giving up, having hard conversations, you know, showing your friends and telling them, Hey, I love you, but we got to have this talk because I love you. Um, mm -hmm. and to not be scared to get out there and meet new women. Um, you know, take some relief in knowing that they want to meet you too. And, and I think once we kind of accept all those things, we'll, we'll have a much easier time making and keeping our friendships. Well, thank you. Um, where can our listeners find you and ask you questions if they have more questions? Yeah, yeah. I love helping with questions. I, um, our movement is called the Give It a Rest movement. And the idea is just we're trying to help 
uh, put to rest a lot of the stereotypes and misconceptions and frustrations with friendship. So on Instagram, we're at Give It a Rest Movement. Um, and we are also at giveitarestmovement.com where women can watch videos, read research-based articles, and listen to the podcast, which is also Give It a Rest. And also they can hire you to do friendship coaching. Yes, we have, you know, vent sessions, which I just kind of like added randomly because some women just need to get it out. Like you just have an issue, but you have nobody to talk to about it. Uh, And it's just like a friendship issue that's frustrating, but you can't talk to your friends because what if they tell your mutual friends and they just want to get it out? We have vent sessions. And then, of course, we have traditional uh, coaching sessions as well, which is also at giveitarestmovement.com. Great. Well, thanks again. Uh, Danielle, thank you so much.